if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. When that conversation shifted to how can I make you feel loved and comfortable and safe? Then we were able to really tap into what she wanted as well. It wasn't just me saying, this is what I want to do. She's going, Oh, now that I'm here, this sounds really great. Let's go this direction with our Mm -hmm. sex life right now. Let's go explore these edges at the moment right now. And so it wasn't just me also dictating and saying what I want. She became a co-creator in what we were doing with our intimacy and our sex. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to that sex check. A Soulfire production. Mm, all right, fam. Let's have a conversation. This one. I'm going to be snooping and asking questions to the people who are on the show today for my own personal benefit because we're about to have a conversation that I've never had on the show before. It's specifically about sex for parents. I'm not a parent yet. Well, little and big. They kind of count because they kind of get in the way sometimes, uh, but they also don't really count. So the conversation that I'm bringing to all of you today is one that I am going out of my comfort zone to dig into. Yes, I have so many community members and even clients and of course have children, but I don't specifically go into, let me help you navigate intimacy or sex when you have a gaggle of kids that follow you around, or maybe just one or two. Um, And so who I have brought on the show today are designated sex for busy parents, couple. I don't know why they have never named themselves 
that to me. I have just named them that to me and to all of you now. It's James and Angela. <laughs> hello. Um, hello. We'll, we'll take it. Great. <laughs> um, and you are also our resident experts in this field because you work with Sex and Love Co. So people who come on to uh, find us on social media and they want to work with my team, if you fill out, you listeners, if you fill out an application to work with Sex and Love Co. and you mention that you have kids, we're going to introduce you to James and Angela. We love that. That's our jam. Yeah. So to let the listeners learn a little bit more about you, to allow them in just a tad, I would love for you to tell a little bit about your backgrounds, uh, maybe touch on where you're from, how y'all got together and how we all wound up working together. Yeah. So we have been together for 12 years, married for 10. Uh, we met through some mutual friends in Colorado where we live. Um, both grew up in the South. So that probably affects some of our, our views on sex um, for sure. Uh, I grew up in North Carolina. James grew up in Texas. Both ended up in Colorado, met there, uh, married, have three kids. I had a child, a son coming into our relationship already from a previous relationship. And then we have two together. So we've done all, all the parenting, the bonus and the bio and the blended and the tripod and all the, all the types. Call it bonus parenting. So I have one bonus kid and two bio kids. Great. Yeah. And then we came to you um, because we, so we, I'm a counselor um, and I've counseled kind of all over the spectrum, everything from uh, survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault to kids. Um, and as a school counselor, we now work with couples. Um, James is a coach. I'll let him talk about that. Um, and then we, we facilitate retreats. We have um, kind of do it yourself retreats for uh, couples. Um, getting ready to really launch a newlywed product, um, the newlywed love bomb for couples. So now we do a lot of work with couples. So we came to you both a couple of years ago now, personally and professionally. We're like, great, let's, let's improve our sex life and use this to help our couples that we work with. I might have like said it was professionally, but it was really personally. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, let's go do that. So my background was in real estate. And so for the last, uh, I did that for about 10 years. And then I switched out of that space into what I call the live your best life space. I was like, well, what's the most passionate thing I do? And I think it's helping people live their best life. And so in that work through my entrepreneurship, business coaching, a lot of mindset coaching, it's really helping people get out of their own way. I found you. Right. <laughs> so as, as I was out there in the world, um, as I do believe in mentors, I do believe in modeling. I found that sex chick on Instagram. <laughs> I was like, this is pretty sweet. And then you had a free something. And so I went up to Angela and I said, Hey, Angela, this is something that might be interesting for us to do. And I do that often. Every Every so often I'll come up with her to her with something in this, in our, in our sex life and say, well, let's take a look at this. Sometimes it's a yes. And sometimes it's a no, you were just an emphatic yes for both of us, which was really, really fun. Full body. Yes. Full body. Yes. I like to say that all of James ideas are creative and some of them are good. So this was both, which was great. (laughs) 
And so uh, from that first post to the free thing we did, and then into Sex and Love Academy, Sex and Love University, and now being on the Sex and Love Co. team as coaches, it's just been a wonderful journey for us of exploration of self and our partnership and how sex can help us to weave all of those together in a way that creates a wonderful, our best life, our best life. Living yeah. our best life. So good. Yay. Thank you for that little introduction. It was short, sweet to the point. And I'm curious, I would love some little highlights, like your perspective on your relationship starting and then, you know, coming into this relationship already having, you know, one kid present. You know, because that's, that's that's just simply something that Jordan and I can't speak on because it, it's not something that we have experienced. And even Bryn on our team and everyone on our team doesn't have kids yet, except for y'all. So, and pretty much anyone that I've even had come on as a guest, that's not been the subject. We haven't spoken about like, what are the nuances and the crunchiness and the beauty? What's the beauty that's present, you know, in relationship and intimacy and growth when one person has a kid already? And what are some of the like epic fails that happen along the way and some of the stuff that feels crunchy and, and um, that causes the relationship to maybe have space and distance? And then how do you bring it back together? So I'm curious, you know, y'all's relationship as it first started coming together. I'm curious about intimacy at large and then how that continued on in your relationship. And then eventually, of course, you having your two bio kids, as you mentioned. And then today when they're a little bit older, I mean, I just remember y'all being on calls with me and talking about putting the noise machines on the outside of the door and all of that. So eventually get there. <laughs> yeah. I'll get there. Well, I gave James the playbook for dating me, actually. Yes. Yes. I was attracted to Angela and she had a kid and I was at a point in my life where most, I was attracted to older women. Damn. And, uh, I'm only three years older for the record, but we'll just let yeah, you call me older. Just, just a little Sorry. bit. Right. Well, she, I mean, light years in terms of where she was set up as a human, she had a kid, she had a house. And here I was just this young kind of, uh, footloose, fancy free, uh, just got into real estate. Um, like to party. Definitely. You like to party still, still <laughs> likes to party. Um, which does look different with kids also. Um, Angela, she gave me the playbook. I was attracted to her and I really loved the way that she showed up. And I really did enjoy the way that she was a mom. It was kind of a neat thing for me to get to what I said, try it before I buy it. Like, let me see the way you mom. I love that. So I asked her, I was like, what's it like to date a mom? And she just, I had no idea he was attracted to me at this no. point. He just asked me like, Oh, some women in my age group have children. What should I know? Yeah. Um, and so she, she just dialed in for me. She made it super simple. And I just followed the instructions and here we are 12 years later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did give him advice. Like it's hard to be spontaneous when you have a kid because you have to set up childcare and those mm -hmm. kind of things. So if you're asking someone on a date, you need to give them time and leeway and maybe be creative. And, um, I said, you know, my son already has a dad, so I'm not looking for someone to take that place necessarily. Um, so yeah, he followed all my instructions. It was nice. You know, Angela had, um, our oldest, he was with us 80% of the time back then, maybe 90% of the time, pretty much the consistent and then go off to dad's for two to three to four weeks at a time. His dad lived seven hours away at the time. So, right. So, uh, it was really kind of heavy on for me to go into this. Oh, there's a kid around all the time. We can't just be footloose and fancy free and go to old town or do all these things that we do, um, with them in Fort Collins, Colorado. 
And when he was gone though, it really gave us this glimpse into not having the kid life. And so we were able to create, be very intentional about the times where we were not having uh, our son around. And then when he was around, then being able to adjust into that role as well. So that was, that was a nice on-ramp mm-hmm. for me to getting used to having a healthy sex life with kids around. Yeah. And I think that's something we have maintained now, you know, the two kids we have together, we kind of joked after Brooklyn was born or, or middle, we were like, well, she doesn't go anywhere. Like she's always, she's always there. Here. Yeah. <laughs> like she doesn't have another parent to go off to for the weekend. Like, what are we going to do? Do you think um, he'll take her too? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have intentionally put that into our lives. So we do get away for the weekend fairly frequently, um, or even just a date night and those kind of things. So we tried to continue that that on, um, whether it was, you know, my mom thankfully moved to town, um, when our girls were little, uh, we have other friends and stuff we might swap with, you know, babysitters, that kind of thing. So we very intentionally still get away. And I think that was something we learned early on when we were dating and I already had a kid as we had to navigate that. And we just maintained that as part of our, of our relationship. So. Mm, so good. So I'm curious how was intimacy and keeping the spark and the love and the connection all alive when kids were the littlest. And then I'm particularly curious why people get to a certain point with the kids or with a kid and then they do it all over again. You know, like have another one. Yeah. You forget. That's why. Are you sure sure you forget? So that's what I'm, 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 you know, on a personal level curious, like, is it really all that hard? How long is it hard for? And what can a person do like me proactively ahead of time, way before we're even having sex for procreation? Um, stock up. I think you should stock up on sex. That's that's like, go for it before kids, just see if you can fill up the cellar, so to speak. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for us, so yes, when the kids are little and our youngest is six now, so we are out of some of the thick of the sleepless nights and those kind of things. Um, when the kids, um, especially when they're little and even now just with soccer and, you know, baseball and all the things, um, it takes a lot of intentionality and we have to prioritize it. So we, I think, cause I think if you don't, it is easy for the day to be full and you to be exhausted and it has not been prioritized. Um, so as unsexy as it might sound, one of the ways we keep it alive is that we schedule it. Like mm-hmm. when we have our weekly relationship board meeting, um, I know you all, you and Jordan do that as well. Um, you know, we might say, okay, Wednesday night looks like a pretty good night. Like not a lot of kid activities. Like let's have a, you know, a longer session that night. Um, and so we, yeah, we'll schedule it. Um, we also, like I said, are really intentional about nights away and dates and weekends. Um, you know, and while the kids were little, um, it, you know, you do go through seasons, Mm -hmm. right. And it, it, it can be harder and, you know, and especially for you, Alexa, the, the being the one to bear the child and grow this human inside your belly. Oh, goodness. And then you spit them out of your vagina, which doesn't maybe Most feel times, as sexy. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Um, and then 
and then they want to breastfeed all the time. (laughs) Right. And so there was that period of time where for me, I was like, my body is like not my own really right now. It's like this other human is attached to it. You're a host. Yeah. It's hosting this human. And, um, and it was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Like I actually enjoyed most of being pregnant and the birthing experience. I like to say I had pretty great birds and you only hear the horror stories. So, um, you know, it was beautiful and magical and all these things. Um, and then there were the, yeah. So we intentionally between our two girls took like a break. I said, I want at least six months where my body is my own. Um, and we could have, and we intentionally, like I went and got in Brazilian, we were like having lots of sex then like stocking up again, you know? Um, and then we ended up extending it to about nine months because six months was going really great. And we're like, let's just do this a little longer before we have the next one. Um, so I think you kind of have to realize that that seat, that is going to be a season. Mm-hmm. Um, and for James, I think some of it was understanding that and that, it's not going to be forever, but there is this time period where some of that might slow down because of everything my body was going through. Right. Totally. For me to understand at that moment that I wasn't a helper in having these kids. I wasn't helping Angela raise the kids. I was a partner in that. Mm -hmm. And as a partner, like seeing her in that space, you know, if I did want to have sex and we were getting to the point where we could start to get that intimacy, it was great. Let me feed the baby and do the bath and put her to bed and read the book. Let me just do the things. Let me give you a little bit of space to unwind and being able to partner up, um, help me get what I wanted, which was Angela. (laughs) Cause there's this damn kid there all the time. And it's hard to get what I want when the kid wants the same thing that I want. So this like little competition comes in. And so I was like, well, I don't want to look at you as competition for attention from my wife. Like you're my child. I love you. Let me take care of you. Right. Right. I think one of the other things too, I, and I don't know why it took me so long to realize this, but, um, you know, people will talk about like, you know, Oh, you made love. Right. Well, then you had this baby and I was like, we literally made love, right? (laughs) Like we had sex, we made love. And then this little ball of love came into our world and our universe, you know, and to look at my children as like these little balls of love that we created through our love and our intimacy is really beautiful. And I think that part is maybe why people do it again. (laughs) Um, And it increases the odds that one of them is going to take care of you when you get older. If you only have one, that's a lot of eggs in your basket, you know, right Right in that one basket, better, (laughs) better do a really great job and make sure they want to take care of me later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like that. I really, and I've heard it things that you have just said, I've heard it from some of my friends that are now starting to have kids and some that are on maybe number two. And, and I'm getting more and more curious about it and asking more questions. Like, what am I really getting myself into potentially in the future? Um, and that's assuming that this whole pregnancy family thing is really in our cards, you know, because we won't know until we start that process. And, um, part of me titrating my nervous system and all that is gathering information and asking questions. So it's less like, oh, I can avoid this thing happening and more like, oh, this is so common. I'll surrender to it and have conscious awareness and bring love and grace to myself and all that. And I so love hearing men speak up and say, I am a partner. I have created that thing. Mm-hmm. I am a partner and it is not my role to help my wife whenever she needs help with our baby, her baby, 
you know, Dan's will correct people. People will say something like, Oh, you're babysitting the kids tonight. Like if I have something, yeah. he'll be like, no, no, I'm, I'm parenting. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not a babysitter. I'm a parent. Um, I'm that dad. And also I, it's to be fair, there is an aspect of it that's selfish because if I treated it as a, if I treated myself as a helper, that'd be the number one way to turn Angela off. <laughs> it's not going to bring me closer to her. Right. And so, you know, that's an aspect of it. And I joke a little bit about the selfishness there because, you know, I had kids on purpose. I wanted to do that. And now that we have kids, like, let's get back to parts that of us that we were able to enjoy before we had these kids. And it's not the same though. So it's, how do we take, how do we take what we had before and how do we take this awesome life that we wanted to have created on purpose now, and then blend those things together to make, make this moment, our present, the best it can be. Mm. Do you think that this was something that was always like from the get-go in your frame or in your consciousness? Like you understood what was happening kind of as it was happening, or did you get to some pieces and parts of this initial kid relationship change this whole unfolding in your life? Did some crunchiness or contraction happen in order for that realization to happen? I would usually hit my head against the wall two or three times. And then I would be like, okay, well, that's not the right way to go. <laughs> you know, um, like, Hey, I just want more sex. This is like, come on, like pay attention to me, sort of an energy. Yeah. And when that's not working, it was okay. Well then let's try something else. Right. You know, like how can we unlock what I know exists? So yeah, absolutely. Alex, there's tons of crunchy, right. Especially yeah. when we're tired, mm -hmm. right. Especially when it's been months without right. a night of uninterrupted sleep. That was the Holy grail for us was like a night of uninterrupted sleep. Right. And so, you know, giving ourselves those reset moments too, to become our best during those moments, you know, those, those, those chapters and those phases and waves of our life. So we could find a path that did get us ultimately closer together. I think, yeah. And I think a couple of things, um, one is that, you know, one of the benefits too of having kids is that I love the way James is a dad. And I find that endearing and attractive and sexy and all of those things. So like seeing him as a dad is, I think has made me love him more, you know, in deeper and in different ways. Um, it's working. It's working. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and the, you know, the crunchiness I would say too, and maybe advice for people that are still in the thick of it is it really can be a season. Right. And I think what happens often to couples is they get into the kid mode. Um, and actually, you know, the research would say that most, uh, the divorce rate is pretty level in most populations right now, except empty nesters, it's still increasing. And so I think what happens is, you know, you get in kid mode, they never get out of kid mode. <laughs> and then the kids leave the house and they look at each other and go, Oh, who are you? Who are we? We lost touch. Right. Um, and I did not want to be one of those statistics. And so for us, it was, you know, yes, there was some times where we weren't having sex as often and that kind of stuff. Cause we were in the thick of the sleepless nights. And then as soon as we were out of that, we set the intention to reconnect in those ways. And in hindsight, I think, and for you and Jordan going into this and having those conversations now and the, and the tools and everything, 
um, you might be able to navigate it in a less crunchy way, right? Than we did. Um, but I think we ultimately came back together and said, Hey, this, we need to prioritize this. We want, this is the life we want. Let's, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's sign up for Lex's course. Let's get some counseling or coaching, right? Let's make it happen. Um, and so I think that effort and intentionality has yeah, gotten us to even deeper levels, levels of intimacy than we were pre-kids. Oh, for sure. Wow. Deeper levels of intimacy. Dare I say more expansive, hotter sex? You may say that. Uh, That would be accurate. I'll concur. (laughs) I love that so much. Okay. So inquiring minds, including my own that are listening, have the question now that you've said that, how? Now you've said intentionality and you said scheduling. We get that. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the places that you had to go as a couple and maybe even some tough questions that you asked yourself along the way that were like, mm-hmm. on the other side of this thing is beyond what we could imagine mm-hmm. in our sex and intimacy in life. Yeah. So um, I know you did a whole episode on this, but um, the show Sex Life that a lot of people have watched, right? Um, we were like, after the first or second episode, um, and for those of you who haven't seen it, this will not be, you know, I'm not going to. The surprise of the show, but uh, no spoiler, but, um, you know, basically the woman is married with kids and has this very stable, secure life that she wants. And then she's fantasizing about this hot sex with her ex. Right. And I remember looking at James after episode one or two and being like, I am so glad I didn't have to choose. (laughs) Like I got both. And I think like that's, I think there's this myth in our society that in long-term relationships, whether with or without kids, especially long-term relationships with kids, that the relationship, the sex, the intimacy can get stale. And for me, it has been the opposite. Like the, the longer we're together, the better I have, um, know him, the better I know myself. Um, the more experiences we have together, um, the deeper our relationship has gone, the better the sex has gotten. And for me, I think some of that is just that kind of um, because of the safety and security and stability I feel in our commitment to each other, um, I'm able to go deeper. I'm able to feel safe in pushing my edges because I know he's got me, right? Like he's got my back. And I, you know, which is different than when I was just dating someone or earlier on in our relationship, we hadn't been through enough for me to really be able to trust that he had me, you know, and now that I know he has me, like I can let go. Right. And, um, that to me has been, yeah, just made all the difference. So I have found it the opposite. Um, and that, and I think you would agree. We just have much deeper, more connective, amazing, intimacy and sex now. Angela's like some of the foundations to being able to do that are for, for us and for Angela is the trust and the safety, right? Cause then that allows us to connect. And that's been one of my learning experiences over the last 12 years is okay. Well, how do I turn Angela on in this way? Right. Our, our sexual, our, our erotic blueprints are, somewhat, you know, let's just call them opposite. <laughs> Pretty opposite. Well, I, I don't think that's fair anymore no, because yeah. I get to be a shapeshifter. So I get to connect with you on all the points. Right. Mm. And so Angela's turn ons, what really gets us deep is that safety and the trust. And so 
when, when I focused and, and shifted all of my energy from trying to create scenes, trying to create techniques and trying to, you know, really just engage in different types of sex and move that towards, let me focus on creating trust. Let me focus on creating connection and safety. Then everything was able to flow past that. And that was a big shift for me in the way that I approached it. What allowed us to now have the best, hottest sex of our life so far. Yeah. I imagine that Jordan resonates on so many levels with that. And I talk, I mean, we, Jordan and I now run couples programs and it's been so beautiful watching him lean up, lean up against his edges because I was always the sex person and the one that he perceived everyone really wants to talk with me. And he's just kind of like the funny guy that can lead breath work and gets people laughing and all of that. And um, it's been pretty incredible watching him lead calls and exercises and everything. And for him to speak with such depth and sincerity, but still lightheartedness where he says like, look, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing at first. All I knew is that I wanted to keep my woman engaged and what I was trying and what I was doing. She was telling me that this thing was not going to last. And so to be prepared and I had no idea what to do and to listen to him with, you know, with this understanding it's like, I would think, oh, she wants this toy or she wants this exercise or she wants this scene. When in reality, what I want is the energy. When in reality, I want is the authenticity. But for him to have never done any of those things before, it's really hard to create that energy and to do it with authenticity and to do it with confidence without fucking it up, air quotes, a, a time or two. Because there is no such thing as really fucking it up if that is required, if those are required steps in the journey to the most orgasmic, beautiful, expansive experiences you can imagine. Right. So, and hearing what you just said, I'm like, ah, oh, Jordan would be here, you know, with metaphorical snaps. Like, yes, I understand that as soon as I could actually be in tuned because people, sometimes I hear like, I'll hear very blanket statements where men were like, oh yeah, you women are just all so uh, complicated. I'm like, oh, no, the fuck we're not. We are predictable as fuck. It's just, are you paying attention? Mm-hmm. You know, are you deeply present with what is in front of you? And if we were predictable, then I imagine like this, it's, it's pretend predictable. If we were the same every time you interacted with us, again, speaking very generally, I don't know if we would be so alluring. <laughs> no, and I don't think any husband or, you know, partner, right? Yeah. Male role to female role. I don't think we want you to be predictable yeah. all the time. We want variety. In fact, that's probably yeah. like the one of the things that we you know, harp on the most with our partner is, is like, let's get some spice up in here. Let's get some variety. And I was in that boat too. Yeah. I would say, well, let's try this. Let's do that. Come on. Let's, I want this. I want that. And really when that conversation shifted to how can I make you feel loved and comfortable, right. And safe. Mm. Then we were able to really tap into what she wanted as well. It wasn't just me saying, this is what I want to do. She's going, Oh, now that I'm here, I can really, this, this sounds really great. Let's go this direction with our mm-hmm. sex life right now. Let's go explore these edges at the moment right now. And so it wasn't just me also dictating and saying what I want. She was, became a, um, a co-creator in what we were doing with our intimacy and our sex. Yeah. I would imagine a guard had, it was safe to put a guard down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. So it sounds like that is a big reward in maintaining a healthy sex life, meaning 
continuing to revisit it and say, oh, this is important. Oh, the life you have that vision, which I think a lot of not a lot of, but some couples are maybe lacking the clarity and the vision. And and when I say clarity, that doesn't mean you know exactly what steps you're going to take or where your life is headed, but you have a collective vision for your life where you take the values and the things that are important and the passions and the purposes and all of that. And you look at, okay, what is the general direction of our relationship, the vision? And so I think some, it sounds like for for you two to have a vision of the life that you want to live, it includes the, a certain type of intimacy and a certain type of sex life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like that sex is leveraged as a tool in many different ways, not just Absolutely. stress yeah. relief and because it's necessary and it makes us love each other. And again. I think we, yeah. And we, I think one of the biggest things too, and I've seen, I've seen friends, dear friends do this is, you know, their children are born and they become the center of the universe. Yeah. Right. And it comes from such a good place and you love your kids so much. Like I get it. And I, you know, as uh, with my background in school counseling and everything, it doesn't, it's not always the best to, to have your, for your child to think that they are the center of the universe, right? Talk about entitlement. Right. Um, and then for your relationship and ultimately the child. And so for us, we see it as um, we, you know, and I'm sure this is controversial to a lot of people, but we put each other first because we, we created this family, right? And we know that the best thing for our children, it's a gift to them to give them happy, healthy parents in a happy, healthy relationship, right? My parents were divorced. I know Lex, you know, your dad wasn't around. Um, and just like, we want to model to our children. Our, their, our girls are going to probably go after someone like their father, whether they mean to or not, right? Like it happens. And so, you know, for, we want to model what a happy, healthy relationship is. Our home is going to be a happy, healthy place if we prioritize each other in our relationship as the foundation of our home. So I feel like us putting this priority on our relationship is what's best for our children because we create that for them. And when uh, our middle was uh, little, we were going out on a date one night and she was like, Start crying. Start crying. She didn't want a babysitter. Didn't want a babysitter to put her bed. And it was like a babysitter she loved and knew, like, you know, but she didn't want a babysitter to put her bed. And I remember sitting her down. She was probably like four and saying, Did you know in some kids' house, their mommy and daddy are like really grumpy and they fight a lot and argue and all this stuff? And she was like, No. And I was like, Would you want to live in a house like that? And she was like, No. And I was like, so daddy and I need to go on dates so that we stay happy and we don't argue. And so we need to go do this. And she literally was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like that makes sense. I, yeah, I don't want that. So babysitter's <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay. Fine. Yeah, right. Bye mom. Bye dad. Uh, it's so good. Okay. So now on the subject of like your kids and, and this memory can communicate, um, I have on my little list of questions here that I got from the team. We've talked about the importance and the intimacy and the rewards and some of the crunchiness and the returning back to love and all of that. And now I'm curious about when your kids either start to clue in on what sex is or as a parent, is it like a, you wait for them to get to a certain point, they walk in on you a couple times. I don't know if that's happened to y'all. Um, or, yes. you know, or if you're just like, oh, they're at about this age, so I should plant a seed of 
this topic is going to be a topic moving forward. Have y'all navigated all of that? Very differently than it was navigated for us when we were children. Yeah. Um, so I think we decided pretty early on that we wanted to be a sex positive household. Much to my, it's it, that's it so a oh gosh, hard for me. <laughs> you know, I'm raised got, in Texas, Bible Belt, like you know, my bio oh, is so hard. <laughs> kids or daughters, and like it was something that we wanted to talk about from an early age. And I think it's one we wanted to raise our kids in a sex positive household. Two, I think you have to start talking about it early. Um, you know, it part, gets weirder as you wait. Yeah, the longer you wait, if you try to sit down your thirteen year old, they're going to be like, "Oh my god, you so know? uncomfortable." So, um, that was but, me. Yeah. Literally yeah. episode one of the show is me with my mom. And right. and I right. was like, do you remember this yeah. talk? And she goes, what yeah. talk? I go, you even blocked it out of your mind. I was like right. 15. Yeah. It was too yeah. late. <laughs> yeah. So one thing, I mean, and I also, with my background, both with sexual assault survivors and, you know, working with kids in schools, um, we start really early on just the basics of your body, right? We call, we anatomically correct terms, right? We use with our kids. Um, we, you know, and then we just let it come up really naturally too. like bath time, you know, when our kids are like three and you're giving them a bath and it's time to wash, you know, we'll say, okay, well here, you know, can you wash your private parts and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, you, you know, we talk about which are their private parts, which we describe as those parts covered by a bathing suit. Right. And that no one has the right to touch their private parts, um, especially without their, you know, and at their age, it's really, they shouldn't be touching them, but as they get older without their permission. Um, so we do a lot of the talk around boundaries and consent and your body is your own. And even like, uh, we never made our kids, um, you know, kiss or hug someone that they didn't want to, because you're basically teaching your children that it's okay to cross boundaries that they don't want to be crossed around their bodies. Right. Mm-hmm. So starts young with that kind of stuff, which is just some basic sexual abuse prevention. Um, and then, you know, probably around kindergarten age, we start talking more about the, where babies come from and we got books. Sex. We have books. There's lots of great books. Um, one of my favorites is called it's not the stork. Um, yeah. and it's just a really factual age appropriate book for like, you know, five to seven year olds. Um, there's a part in it that talks about masturbation mm-hmm. and I would literally read it to my girls and they were like three, four and five. And I would skip that page. And I was like, you can't skip that page. Stop skipping that page. <laughs> I was like, I just don't want to read that page. I'm really uncomfortable talking to my daughters about masturbation. And so like I've done work since then. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably get to that, the, the classes and things that we've taken again, modeling and mentors. That wasn't how I wanted to show up. I wanted to be able to have that conversation with my daughters and make it a normal thing from the very beginning. So I can support them in their life and in their sex life, you know, yeah. or on their journey, I should say. Do you think some parents are challenged by the idea that if they talk about sex with their kids, then it in some weird way kind of sexualizes them? I think people worry about that. I don't think that that is accurate. And I don't think any of the research out there would say that that's, you know, actually a thing. Um, You know, there's, like I said, there's lots of great books out there that are very age appropriate. And it will tell you what ages that book is meant for. Um, that just gives some of the facts around your body and intercourse and how it works. Right. Um, without, you know, obviously like sexualizing kids, showing them porn or something. Yes. Could create early sexualization, but just really age appropriate discussion about bodies and anatomy or not. Um, we had, I have a cute story on James. So, um, 
I was at book club. This is when we were first married. So Soren was in oh. kindergarten. Our oldest was in kindergarten. I was at book club and, um, you're pregnant. I was pregnant with our first girl. And, um, he goes, our son goes, um, to James, he goes, you know, what's really weird. Like how did that baby get in mommy's belly? And James response you know what else is weird? Lizards can lose their tails and they're fine. Like they grow back. <laughs> totally punted. Totally. Punted. I knew how much you wanted to, Angela had been reading books, studying. She'd been listening to podcasts. She'd been really preparing for this conversation. Uh -huh. So I punted for totally deflected. Like, so he's come a long way since then. Oh now he's goodness. actually reading the masturbation page in the children's book. But um, yeah, so, you know, but again, yeah. we believe you have to, and it shouldn't just be one conversation, right? It should be naturally woven in. And a big part of that is now we do have a teenager and I want our kids to always feel comfortable coming to us to ask questions, to express concerns, right? And if we do not present as comfortable and open about talking about that, then they're going to feed off that energy. They match your energy, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to be comfortable talking about it with them in order for them to then be comfortable with us. Um, and honestly, you know, I would much rather have those conversations, um, you know, with our oldest, that's a teenager. Now we started having these conversations years ago before I knew he was even like really tempted to have sex yet, but we were talking about protection and we were talking about, you know, intimacy and consent and boundaries. And when you're emotionally ready, cause I wanted to have all those conversations before it's too late. Right. Because yeah. once he's, once he's already had sex like, wow, the stakes are really high, right? If you haven't had those conversations and then someone ends up pregnant or STIs or like, you don't yeah. want to be too late on those. Yeah, for know? sure. I think about like how you just said, oh, you know, it's really weird that the lizard loses its tail and everything. And uh, okay. So what I think sometimes with this like idea of potentially sexualizing the kids or whatever, when I, when I, what I really mean is I think that those moments where like a, an adult is seeing like a curious kid and they're not sure what to do with their feelings about talking about that subject. And maybe if it in some way excites their system, because it's a very natural, normal biological response, like, oh, we're talking about sex. I feel arousal. I'm not sure this is wrong. Shame. There's it's just a clusterfuck of emotions and things to process. And I can just imagine, right? Of course, well, you skipped the, the masturbation page a couple of times, but you've mentors and models and all these things that have helped you get to a certain point. But there's so many people who are having kids that are then basically just passing down what they got, which was a whole hell of a lot of nothing. Mm -hmm. And then it's creating more confusion, confusion, a lot of times creating those unplanned pregnancies, creating the, um, you know, having to navigate the shame, blame, guilt, whatever, whatever that comes up for someone contracting an STI, which in more cases than not is really not all that big of a deal. But for some people that it's very traumatic um, because they're not given the correct information and how to navigate it, heal from it, change, you know, it's just, ugh, it, there's so much. When I first got started in sex coaching and sex educating, I was adamant. I will never forget the moment where I, I remember having the refrigerator door open in my hands and I was like, I will change sex education across the, the, this country. I will do it. And it was very big and it was a very profound statement. And it was right, you know, right as I was beginning, you know, leaning further into this subject matter. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I start 
looking it up. Like, how could I do that? How will I do that? And it just seems impossible. And like, how will I get into schools? Who will trust me? It's just like this. If I do it this logical way, I was very, um, I fizzled out very quickly. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to start with the parents. I'm going to go where the parents are because the parents, if I can catch them right before it's even time for them to have these conversations, I'll change everything. I'll change their sex life. I will change how they uh, like in real time, this shift in this generationally handed down thing, it's going to end with the parent. And then I won't even need to really consider the kids, so to speak, because we'll, I'll be helping the parents to do it for themselves. That shame, that blame, that guilt, the, the, just the murky territory of sexuality for so many people. I'm just, I'm going to focus on the people who are where I'm at that are about to do this parent thing. And let's see if I catch them there, if everything will change. Yeah. And I don't, you know, it's different in every state, but in Colorado, we start sex education in the schools at fifth grade. Well, by my standard, that's way too late to have those conversations. Right. And so, um, so yeah, I think you're smart to work with the parents because you know, we're the biggest influence on our children's life in those early years, mm-hmm. you know, later it becomes friends and that kind of stuff. But yeah, we can set the foundation for them. So they, so they are comfortable asking sure. questions, you know, and that's my biggest thing. I just always want my kids to feel comfortable to come to me and ask me questions. Right. And which means you would then need to have the energy of comfortable, meaning mm-hmm. you're comfortable right. in yourself meaning you have the knowledge, the know, the information, you've processed it yourself. You've mm-hmm. taken a look at what might have been traumatic in your life in this subject matter. Like It requires a decent amount of work mm-hmm. in order to be a place where uh, I would say a small person, and I'm just making an assumption here, would go, I'm actually comfortable enough to ask my parent about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they can smell fear. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. They smell weakness too. And <laughs> oh, like, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I'm glad I know that already. <laughs> uh, so good. So that loops me back around then to uh, y'all working for Sex and Love, working with and for Sex and Love Co. as as our people. Um, that if anyone comes in, they fill out that application and they say challenges, little ones, navigating the murky territory that is intimacy, sex, love, life, and littles. Um Speaking when I say littles in this regard, though, I am talking about tiny humans, young creatures, because on other podcasts, we talk about littles as being submissives, which is a whole other conversation. Um, that is uh, not our a- littles aren't very submissive. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I'm curious about the transition for both of you in, in life where, where you started to realize I want to help other people with this. This is our life. Our best life is afforded by looking at life in this particular way and by putting a focus on our sex and our intimacy. And we want to help others do this successfully and navigate this territory with a little bit of guidance and, you know, you two as beacons of hope. So it's a great question. Thanks. Um, You know, once a year, Angela and I, we get away, we call it our marriage retreat it's now it's called love bomb, right? But we go away once a year and we just plan out our, we talk about the strategic aspects of our life. And we also talk about all of the facets of our relationship, you know, from management of household duties to sex and communication finances. We talk about 
all the things, all the things, set goals and intentions in all the areas. And we do that annually and have since we were engaged. Mm -hmm. And what, what came up for us is that each year we would be rocking in so many areas and then we'd get to the sex one. And even if we felt like, Hey, I think we're doing pretty good here. We'd hit that section and it would not go so well. There'd be tears. I usually cry. I would get frustrated. She'd usually cry and I'd get frustrated. And that's kind of where we would go. And that was when it was like, okay, well, we can do, we, we do better than this everywhere else in our life. Like let's do better than this. Like we deserve it. This is a huge thing. And that was when we began to put resources towards it. Like let's focus on this. And where, where I found the, the biggest kind of kick to get over into helping people with this is through my personal journey, which is one of the shame, right? Um, I was bringing that shame in my, from all my previous experiences into this relationship. And whenever we were able to work with you and we have a counselor, we were able to work with our counselor and I was able to then go in and do some of my own personal healing while at the same time as us working on our relationship, that's when everything clicked for us. And that's for me, been one of the most impactful growth experiences that brings me joy, you know, and to be able to now take what I've learned on that path and that journey and and share that with others to say, okay, well, here's how I was able to connect with myself. Here's how I was able to forgive myself about some things. Here's how I was able to show up for myself in a new way and to practice self-love which then gave me a lot more juice to now have flowing over my cup so I could have it for Angela. And I think you were able to show up with vulnerability too, which really turns Angela on. True. And uh, (laughs) just creates that greater depth and connection. Um, You mean there's something not sexy about like a stoic rock? Yeah, apparently yeah. of no emotion. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't do it for me. No, um, the juice is flowing. So my my energetic sensual was yeah, doesn't like the stoicism. So no, um, yeah, and so I yeah, I think it was through us. You know, we started with helping couples in all these facets, and like you know, I um and you know, facilitating kind of the retreats that we were doing for ourselves, started sharing that with other couples and helping them. And then, um, and we still do that and love that. And we realized that this was an area that we personally had put the time and energy and effort in and reaped so many benefits from just the, the depth and the layers and the connection we can feel to each other. Um, you know, and for us, it's, we use it as a tool for healing our own personal stuff. We use it for healing things in our relationship, uh, connection to source. I mean, so many like, you know, and not every time we have sex, but you know, sometimes it's a quickie because we need maintenance sex and we're busy with the kids. So it's like quick in the shower or quick in the morning before the kids wake up, you know, we do those too. And when we have these deeper intimate times, um, it's just done so much for our relationship that I think it was that, well, this is wonderful. And I wish all couples could have this, you know, and like wanting to share it. It was a lead domino. Like what's the one thing that we can work on on our relationship that'll help everything. And it, for us turned out to be sex because we communicate better. Now we connect better. Now we can have this like energy to put towards our finances and creating things through our sex magic rituals. We can be more intentional about what we want to create. And 
Yeah, it's it's really when we have by having this amazing sex life that we get to have now, courtesy of all the work we've done. Nice work, honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It trickles down to all these other places in our life, every other area of our life. So we have more love to give. Because if we're in sync and we're connected, like, like sex helps us to do, then it just, I can show up as my best self as a parent. I can show up as my best self at my job. I can show up as my best self as a daughter and a sister and a friend and all these other areas. And so I feel like when we're really solid, then it just frees us up to emanate that love out to the world. So good. Mm. Y'all are an absolute pleasure to communicate with. And I would say, you know, a decent amount further along in the journey when it comes to intimacy and sex and all of that while being parents. And so I am happy. I am beyond happy to have the two of you as a tool in my back pocket. Like, hey, James and Angela, (laughs) we got this thing going on. SOSs. Yeah, just tell us we're normal. (laughs) You know, I mean, I spend a lot of my time doing this work, just reassuring people what you are experiencing is normal. And Mm -hmm. if you'd like for this to change after the season has passed, because those seasons, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned before, they're going to happen no Mm -hmm. matter what. Here's a season of grief. Here's a season of loss. Here's a season of abundance. Here's a season. You know what I mean? It's going to be so many, it's going to look like so many different things. And as long as it's like, okay, this is a season and it's going to shift into something else. And I think sometimes people like, like the help in between that transitionary period, you know? So Yeah, I'm glad that we have the two of you as resources personally. And then, of course, on the team as well. So I'm curious, you know, we spoke so much today about the whole parent thing, about the whole family thing. And um, real quick, before we round out, I'm curious, the other things that you really love to work with people on. And I know that if I ask that question, that means the things that are the most exciting to you on an individual and personal level as well. And so it's not every person that you work with is going to be a parent necessarily. Um, You know, when Jordan's roster is full, you are designated go-to men's coach as well, James. And so, um, and so, and for you, Angela, being a counselor, like you have different areas of expertise. And so I just want to touch on the other things that you're really into and interested in working on as well. For me, personally, I've been going down the semen retention mm. and uh, going down that route to transmute more of my sexual energy into creative power. Um, that's been a nice practice to engage with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan has helped me out with that. Thanks, Jordan. Big yeah. props to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, we ha- we have a room in our basement. Um, it's it's our it's our it's our meditation room, right? It's our connection room. I heard you say so, sex dungeon. Yes, sex dungeon, otherwise known as. Um, we have a. Have you ever heard of Xped, Lex? Xped. It's a. It's a. It's an. It, calling it an air mattress is like calling an iPhone a rotary telephone. Like it's just not the same, right? <laughs> this thing is just like next level. It's like memory foam. It's a camping mattress. And he doesn't get paid by them. Yeah. No, okay, no, no, I'm not sponsored. But this thing we put it because it also goes with us anywhere. And so when we were traveling one time, we had this with us, and because the bed was squeaky, we put it on the floor, and we were able to have really great sex on the floor without waking our children. <laughs> right. Amazing. Um, or the house, or right. So. Um, you know, for me, one of the things I've been working on is how to get into that space and connect with um, the energetic side of sex and the connection to source. 
right? So that kind of sex your way to source mentality and really taking the energetic aspects of uh, what we're doing and what we're creating there. And then having those types of um, having all that energy, being able to flow in the other areas of life too. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would say for me, I have um, my first counseling role post-college, we even started in college some was um, I worked with uh, survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. So I have a passion for, um, for helping, you know, especially women who have had past trauma to make some of those breakthroughs and be able to get to a healthy space and a healthy um, relationship with their body, a healthy relationship with partners, because um, that can get all muddied when you have some past trauma there. Um, mindfulness is another, you know, interesting. For me, I'm an overthinker. Um, and so especially in the realm of, of sex, I have to get out of my head and get into my body. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I work really well with type A uh, women too, just on like, what are those tools that I've learned that can help me, you know, get into my body and out of my head so much. Um, so yeah. And then, like I said, we've kind of used, um, sex as a, a healing tool as well to explore some of those areas and those edges. So things around healing trauma, um, you know, embodiment, all of those are interest areas of mine as well. Um, parenting, I have you know, um, being a school counselor for years, I have tons on parenting. Um, so all those areas. Hmm. Okay. I have two more questions for you. They're quick. Angela, what does James do that turns you on the most? <laughs> Mentioned it earlier, but, um, when he's vulnerable, mm -hmm. I think it's like really sexy and, um, oh, and especially if he cries, like I really, <laughs> <laughs> like that um which he doesn't do very often mm -hmm. um and the funny part of that though is we found when he was you know doing some of his work and feeling vulnerable like he's not feeling super sexy and so it's just not, like he's like feeling zero sexy <laughs> so it's this total role reversal where like normally he's the one like pawing at me in the kitchen and like now all of a sudden I'm like, Ooh, come here, you know? And he's like, Oh, I'm just so raw. And I'm like, I know it's so cute. <laughs> I had, I, I, I decided I made an intentional choice to set the intention for one of my sexual superpowers to be vulnerability. And how's it going? It's a work in progress. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. going better. Like yeah. I can feel vulnerable and still be, um, in that sexual space. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you, you're progress. getting to create a new story around that, that vulnerability doesn't mean weakness. And that vulnerability doesn't mean that you are less of a man because you share how you feel and what's really going on inside of you. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. That has been. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for noticing, Lex. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> so good. Okay. What does she do that turns you on the most? Oh, gosh. It's that energy that she shows up with, you know, and so you know, of all the shape-shifting things, I'm a sexual guy. Right. And so what turns me on the most is when she just like walks up to me and like kind of takes control and says like, I mm -hmm. want you, or like, you look really hot right now. And gives me those words of affirmation while she's also touching me. Cause I'm a huge fan of physical touch as far as my love language goes. Um, those 
types of like engagement from her to me really just take me from like a level space to just like really excited really fast. Yeah. Jordan would say six to midnight. Six to midnight. <laughs> yeah. Six to midnight and three seconds left. <laughs> Sounds like something he would say, right? It does. He'd go instantaneously yeah. cock solid. And I'm like, oh God, Jordan. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. All right, you two. Such a good episode. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your love. And for everyone who is listening, if you would like to work with James or Angela or both of them, if you'd like to work with the Mitchells collectively, then you can fill out an application. We're going to have that linked in our show notes. Um, they also have so many cool things that they are up to individually and on their Instagram. So loveintentionally.co. Yep. I got it. There you go. So we'll have all of that linked in the show notes as well. Is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with before we wrap up for the day? This is just such an amazing community. And Lex, thank you for having us on the podcast and for inviting us into your program um, in these ways and getting to work with and for you is just such an absolute pleasure. You have created and cultivated an amazing tribe of people that really want to, to, to dive into their sexual nature and to dive into their pleasure and to dive into some of the things that have been potentially some of their biggest pain, mm. right? So the work that gets done in this group and the people that show up to this space are super fucking inspiring. And oh. it's just a pleasure to be a part. Ah, cue heart explosion. Thank you both. When he does stuff like that. I know, I know. We can stop. We can stop recording and turn off the Zoom and everything, and then you two can go do your thing. All right. That's not. That's not how we end the Zoom call. You know, (laughs) the podcast. That's not what I was told, honey. Oh my goodness. Love you both. Thank you again so much for coming onto the show. Love you, Love you too. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.